friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. This pleased Saul's officers and his troops. So Saul kept giving David a higher and higher rank. Let me ask you this morning, who are you seeking to please? Who are you seeking to please? Who are you seeking affirmation from? Who do you want to say something good about you? Hey, listen, we all love that feeling when someone says something nice, right? But listen, I'm not running off of that. I'm running off of pleasing him. There's no way I can please all of you. There's no way you can please all the people in your life. The only person you should be thinking about pleasing is Jesus. Come on. That's number one. Number two, verse seven. And they danced and they sang, Saul has slain us thousands and David his tens of thousands. This is unhealthy competition. How do you know you've got some insecurity kind of ruling inside your heart and eating your lunch? You get into some unhealthy competition. Now, now listen, I, I'm not a big competitor. I, I, I quit basketball after that year. And, and we lost the championship, and I went on to playing music and doing other things with my time. But, uh, but my, my, my wife is very, very competitive. And, uh, and, and I, I've always tried to, if we're playing volleyball, I always try to be on her side, right? Because she can spike and she can hit. And, and here's the deal, you don't want to be on the other side of that net when she does. Very, but, it, but it's always healthy. This unhealthy competition comes over you where you've got to be better than someone else. You see, Saul started to hear people say things. And what are people saying? Well, you only killed us thousands, but that David, tens of thousands. Let's move on very quickly. Number three, this is a judgmental spirit. Verse eight, Saul was very angry. This refrain that he heard from people displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only with thousands. So right away, he's getting into a comparative spirit here. He's saying, this isn't right. This isn't great. They're singing about David, and they're not singing about me. And what they don't know is, is David couldn't do what David did if I didn't do what I did for David. Come on. But David's getting the glory and not me. And there's this judgmental spirit that says, I'm not just going to compare myself to you, right? I'm going to start to find something wrong with you so that you can be lower than me. Because, come on, this isn't fair. I've sacrificed more for you, more than you have. I've done more work than you have. I've been here longer than you have. It shouldn't be that you're getting the attention. But let me tell you how life works, right? You're a kid for a little while, then you become an adult. Hello, adults. How are you? Right? How are you? Right? And then get, what happens next? You become a grandparent. Right? And the attention is completely off of you as soon as you have your first child. And then after your child grows up and has a child, now the attention is off of you again. Right? It's all about somebody else. Because that's the way Jesus made it. That's how God set the world up. You want to know why? Because God's a father too, and he's a parent too, and he wants you to know how it feels. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to mature. So what do we do? We often look at someone else getting the attention. We get insecure and want to judge them. When you feel the need to judge, that's an insecure spirit. Number four, you start taking yourself too seriously. Now, now I've had to stop this a long time ago because I'm a goof. 
I, I'm a goober. I do a lot of goofy and goober stuff. Um, I fall down a lot. Listen, you don't need to agree with me from the aisles. And I, I don't need to remind you that my hearing is very, very good. It's my eyes that I have a problem with, okay? Take, take a look here. <laughs> take a look here at verse 8, B here. Verse 8. What more can he get, talking of David, but the kingdom, right? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. You see, he started taking himself so seriously that David couldn't go anywhere without Saul going, what's he doing now? What's he doing now? What's he doing now? What's he doing now? Who cares? Who cares what he's doing now? Stay in your lane. What way to give away your kingdom, Saul? Can, can I just let you in on a secret about insecurity? The more insecure you come, become in your life, and the more you begin to act on it, the more you begin to push blessing and provision and people away from your life. It doesn't attract blessing and provision and people to your life. It actually repels it. Hello? It's like taking two magnets and, you, you know, playing with them as a kid. I know you're not as geeky as me, but you take one magnet and you turn it one direction and the other way, and you put it on a table and you just push it around the table. Right? Because you had it going the wrong direction. You see, that's going the wrong direction. The more insecure you become, the more people don't want to be around you. You say, but I want friends. Well, stop being insecure. <laughs> people don't like to be around insecure people. You say, who am I talking to? Everybody. Everybody's got a little bit of insecurity, just like Saul. And number five, defensive behavior. If we're going to break this down, 1 Samuel 18, verse 10. It says, the next day, now watch this. Here's the progression, right? The next day, an evil spirit came forcefully on Saul. Did you get that? So there was one, two, three, four things that happened where Saul was allowing insecurity and fear to rule inside of his heart. And the next day, after those four things happen in his life, he gets an evil spirit. Come on. And can I tell you that the Bible calls fear a spirit? Can I tell you, the Bible calls it a spirit. You say it's an emotion. I'm telling you this morning, it's a spirit. It will get inside of you. It will seek to control you. It will seek to dominate you. It's going to eat your lunch. And maybe if your mama packed your lunch and you got a couple of Lunchables in there, it's going to eat those too. It's going to eat everything you got. It's a spirit. The Bible tells us that God has not given us, what? A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You want to know what fear is after? Those three things. It will remove from your life God's power. It will remove from your life love. Come on. Wow. And isn't it funny that later in the book of 1 John it says, God's perfect love casts out fear. Right? So it will remove love, and it will remove from you a sound mind. You'll go loony. You'll go nutso. You'll become a goober. And that's what fear sets out to do. It's a spirit. It says, the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. By the way, it's not going to knock on the door and say, hey, can I come in? Can I just, uh, can I come in? It's going to blow the door down. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre. Now that's a, that's a guitar. You know? I like that. I want you to see something here. Saul is prophesying. How is he prophesying and then an evil spirit comes on him? He say, well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know how that could happen. 
Well, it makes about as much sense as when Jesus said, there will be people in the last days that will appear before the throne, and they'll say, well, well God, we cast out demons in your name. Hello? God, we did miracles in your name. We prophesied in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Now watch this, watch this. The name of God is always powerful. But the person using it may not be connected with that God. Are you seeing this? Saul is prophesying. David's going, that's a good song. That's a good song. Keep it up, king. That's good. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. Right? And he's writing these songs. And an evil spirit comes in and forcefully comes upon him. Because of this insecurity that he allowed to reign in his life. Can, can I just tell you, it didn't start there. It started way back, many verses before, where he allowed it to stay. He allowed it to Sometimes we're too accommodating. Sometimes we just, oh, come. It, it's just a little fear. Can I just hold on to a little fear, Pastor? You know, I, I, my fear does things for me. What? Right? Can I hold on to it a little? No. Look what it did to Saul. See this. It says he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did, and Saul had a spear in his hand. So now he's not prophesying anymore. He picks up a spear in his hand, verse 11, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So this happened twice. Imagine this. Somebody invites you over to the parsonage to have lunch with Pastor and Sarah, right? Right? I go get my acoustic guitar. Sarah keeps making lunch, right? I hand one of you my acoustic guitar. Here is the chord G. Play it to the cows come home. It's a good country song, right? And every good country song's in G, all right? So you're sitting there playing G, and I'm giving you the words to that song. And then all of a sudden, something comes over me, Right? And I go over and I get a broom. <laughs> and Sarah's like, no, Glenn, no. And I throw that broom at you. And you do one of these matrix moves, you know, like, like this. And the broom sails past you and goes right into the parsonage drywall. And to add insult to injury, before we're even done with the soup, I go back for that broom and try it again. Now, would you have a little problem with me? Would you say that I'd have an issue or a problem? Right? Well, how ridiculous do you think it is where in one moment we're being kind and loving to someone and in the next moment we're nearly cussing them out? Same person. Same person. And you're like, I don't ever do that. And your spouse is kicking you right now underneath the pew. You're getting a kick. Same person. James even says that out of the same well comes sweet water and bitter water. This should not be so. And Jesus teaches us that out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So it's in your heart. And it was in Saul's heart. And it came from this spirit. Now there's two verses here that really just kind of help me understand how to walk in freedom and not walk with insecurity. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David. It never says that David was afraid of Saul. 
and you say, well, that's not a big deal. I want to remind you that Saul was a giant too. The Bible says that he stood head and shoulders. I'm not talking about what you use in a shower. He stood head and shoulders above all else. Before David faced Goliath, he faced a lion and a tiger and a bear and a Saul. Oh my. Right? Well, he faced a lion and a bear. Then he faced Goliath and then he faced Saul. For years, I want you to see this, Saul was afraid of David, even though he was bigger than him, even though he had more gifting, even though he had more armor, even though he had more materialistic things he could use to hurt David. David wasn't afraid of him. Saul was afraid of David. It says Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. <laughs> you want to know why some people don't like you? Hey, <laughs> dear, because the Lord's with you. Can I just say something? If, if, if the Lord isn't with you and you aren't with the Lord, be afraid. Be very afraid. But if you're with the Lord, you got nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. The Lord was with David, but had departed Saul. <laughs> and in verse 14, in everything he did, he had great success. This is speaking of David. Because what? The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. So I'm going to take just the next five to ten minutes and I'm going to talk to you about how when the Lord is with you and his perfect love is in you, it should cast out all insecurity and all fear from your life. Now I want you to stretch out a little bit because I can see that three or four of you have had um, five or six French toasts and you're gone already. You're just, you're in a, you're in a, <laughs> you're in a French toast comatose right now and you need a little help. And I want you to get this, man. I want you to, did, did a, come on, man. Did, did the Buckeyes win last night? They didn't even play. So you should, be, you should be awake, right? I know Notre Dame did last night. And I got to tell you, when Notre Dame plays, I go wash the dishes. And there was no dishes last night to wash. And it was a close game. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I feel like we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. Everybody. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First John chapter 4, verse 18, you know what this says. It says, there is no fear in love, for perfect love does what? I want to hear it boldly. Some fear. Half of the fear. So if you're letting fear and insecurity remain within your mind, that has to be renewed, and within your spirit, man, your soul, then you're not where you need to be with God's perfect love. You need to be filled with his love again. Every single time. Every single time. And so something go, comes in so that something can go out. Hello, are you with me? So, 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 okay. So when you're in your late 40s and early 50s, they start giving you these tests. Young people, my friends, enjoy life right now because something is coming that is so humiliating. <laughs> and in order to get through that procedure, we're just going to call it that, a procedure. In order to get through that procedure, you drink the secret sauce. You drink the power aid. 
And you... <laughs> um, the turbo aid. <laughs> and when it gets in you, you're fine for about 10 minutes. And then what you just put in you is pushing everything in you out of you. Right? And it's a fun experience. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a coming to Jesus moment. You know? Uh, can, I, can I tell you, you know, last year I was scheduled three times for that procedure and I canceled three times in a row because I was scared. <laughs> I'm talking about fear and I didn't want to go in and do it. And, and our, 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 our poor Japanese students are here today and they're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I love you. God bless. Hey, was the breakfast good? Yes, God bless you. So, so anyway, uh, this is what happens. When you come in contact with fear, it's got to be eliminated. But you can't just say, well, you know, <clears throat> I'm just not going to be afraid. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be afraid. Because you have to have something else inside of you. It's, it's, it's not just going to leave because you're, gonna, you're saying I'm not going to do it anymore. Like that really works. Right? It's going to leave because you've replaced it with something else. You were born with a hole in your soul. You, you need what God has to replace what is currently there. Because if you don't, listen, if you don't replace it, even when we're dealing with bondage and demonic oppression, the Bible says that it, the house will be swept clean, right? And then the enemy will go and get seven other spirits to come in. Come on, come on, church. Because you didn't fill the house. And that's the problem. People are coming for prayer. People are coming to altars. They're laying down their fear, but they're not getting filled with the Spirit of God. If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, then you're going to go walk right back out there again with an empty house, and guess what's going to come over for dinner? Insecurity and fear again. You've got to stay full, and you've got to be full of God's love. And you say, well, I'll get right to that on Fridays. No, you've got to do it, man. You've got to do it every time that insecurity comes back. Until you teach all of hell that you're not giving up on what God has promised you. Come on, give God some praise. Come on. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. I loved when I was in corrections. Uh, there, was, there was something we did in corrections. Uh, every once in a while we do a full shakedown. A full shakedown. Now if you start amen in this, I'm going to think you were in jail, alright? And that's okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, we do a full shakedown. And I remember one time we were doing a full shakedown on my charge unit. I was a charge officer. I had a couple officers on each side. And nobody TXed my unit and told me that it was shakedown time. When shakedown time comes, you can see out in the yard these big dogs. They're huge German shepherds. And they have two uh, reasons for surviving. You ready for this, Miss Linda? This is how they operate, okay? They come in and they bite you. Okay, or they sniff and sniff and they sit down and the offenders don't like those German shepherds. Let me tell you why, because more often than sniff, they bite, right? Well, nobody bothered to tell me. So I went back on the one end of one of the units. I unlock one of the doors. I lock it behind me. I'm standing back there. There's 120 offenders by their beds and I'm like, Wow. They must know I'm working my shift. This is fantastic. 
I'm like, wow, I'm really making some headway, you know? <laughs> this is pretty cool. I have no idea. They've already had people tell them that through the window they could see the dogs coming, oh. right? And then I hear this, Sally Port opens up, and here comes in four German shepherds. Come on. And you know what goes out the windows? You know what goes out the window? All the contraband, all the stuff they're not supposed to have, right? Because the dogs are coming in. Guess what? The evil's going out. Come on, church. God, God's saying, it's not just getting something out. You've got to bring something in. Or better yet, someone in. And it's got, it's, God is going in by the power of His Spirit is going to chase that stuff out of your life. But you've got to ask God to fill those area. That's those areas. That's how we see that God's perfect love casts out all fear. I want to show you just a couple of areas that when you have God's perfect love and you invite God's Holy Spirit to reign inside your being, what will happen? Number one, very quickly. Number one, you'll stop seeking affirmation from people because your security will come solely from Christ. You won't care. A bunch of your friends went out and did something and didn't invite you and it's not even going to bother you. You're not even going to whoop to do. Right? Uh, you, you, you might go alone. You might go it alone for over a year. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit at 16 at high school. I went back to my lunch table. I had all my druggy friends because I didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. You know, and I was a big dealer. And I sat down and all my friends were like, what you got today? What you got today, Glenn? What you got today? Here's what I got today. And I bowed my head and began to speak in tongues in prayer. When I opened up my eyes, all my friends were gone. My friends were gone. And you know what? Didn't bother me one bit. Didn't bother me. You want to know why? Because I had Jesus. I had a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I, I, I had Jesus. It's okay. And it wasn't long, long after that that we started a, a, a prayer a ministry that morning. And we started a Bible study that morning, student-led. Me and a couple other guys ended up having 150 students coming every morning. And there were my druggy friends coming to the Bible study. Why? Because I didn't worry about where the crowd was going. I just wanted to know where Christ was. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to stop worrying about what everybody's saying, what everybody's doing. You're not going to worry about that because you're going to have Jesus. Let me give you a verse here, a scripture here real quick. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. So you are also complete. Now, the Greek word here is uh, uh, plero. That means to be crammed full. Crammed full. You are crammed full to the stretching through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. So what Paul is saying to the church of Colossia there is he's saying, listen, you're complete. You are crammed full. Imagine if you would have drove to church here today and your tires were not fully crammed with air. Imagine if your tires weren't fully inflated. Crammed full means to the point of stretching. You can have so much of God's spirit in you. By the way, you can have as much as you want. You can have so much of his spirit in you that you start to, come on, it's like flubber. It, it blows you up. You can be crammed full of God's presence. And Paul says you can have it if you want it. And he, he declares it. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we, 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 we had this saying. And when we, whenever we dated somebody for a hot minute, we had this saying. We'd say something like this. You complete me so romantic you know it's really you 
it's you. You complete me. It's you, right? Because we're so insecure, we think that there's somebody else out there in that world that can actually complete us. Think about that for a minute. You know, you complete me. I, I, maybe that's Jerry Maguire, but I think there was another movie, if you remember, um, Back to the Future, right? Where McFly says that to Lorraine. Or maybe he says, Lorraine, you're my density. Your density has brought me to you, Lorraine. When he should have said destiny, right? So, so we think other people complete us. We think other people are our destiny. When the reality is, that's a scarcity, empty, deficit mentality. What God wants us to be completed in is in His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Spirit. So that when we enter a relationship with someone else, watch this, it's not scarcity or deficit anymore. It's abundance. Out of your belly shall flow wells of living water. I'm not coming to you because I ain't got nothing. I'm coming to you because I got more than I know what to deal with. And if you'll teach your kids that's how to find the right partner in marriage. If you'll teach other Christians that's the way to start relationships. I'm not in a relationship with you because you complete me. I'm in a relationship with you because Jesus has completed me and I'm here to give. Do you see the difference between insecurity and security there? Man, that was free. I won't even take up a third offering today. It was so free. Number two. Number two, you say, is there another number? Yes, here it is. You no longer worry about what people say about you. Oh, Proverbs 29, uh, 29, 25 says, the fear of man and what they say brings a snare. It's a snare. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's always going to hold you back. It's always going to keep you in a place where you're stuck. If you're always worrying about what people are saying, you're going to be stuck. When Galatians 1.10 says this, <laughs> do not think, or do you think I'm trying to please people? Do you think that I'm trying to get accepted by you? It says, do you think I'm trying to please anybody or be acceptable to anybody? This is Paul. This is Paul. Paul is saying, I don't care about people pleasing. I'm not a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people pleaser. I don't care about pleasing people. He says, if I was still doing that, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. You're not a servant of Christ if you're pleasing people. Let it go. I love what happens in Joshua. Those 12 spies come back in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. They come back, they got this report. They say, hey, hey, we saw some Nephilim there. They're giants, the sons of Anak, who come. And they're the Nephilim. They're big guys. And we are in our own sight, grasshoppers, Watch this. And so we are in their sight. Where's the agreement? We see ourselves the way they see us. We see ourselves the way people talk and see us. When we should see ourselves the way God sees us. The way God sees us. (laughs) Number three, we're done. You see, your hope is no longer in this world, but it is in God. Because you've been filled with the love of God. Your hope is no longer in this world. I'm just going to tell you a secret. Because there's some people here that if you get this, the rest of your life is going to be like, uh, it's going to be Cedar Point. 
It's going to be awesome. Some of you don't like Cedar Point. I don't care. Okay. I was going to Cedar Point even when I didn't live in Ohio. Because huh. I know it's cool. They say, will I still have to pay to get in? Nope. It's already been paid at the cross. Yep. All you got to do is come in and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Sound good, right? Will I have to wait long in lines? Nope. You step right up. So what do I got to do to have this? Oh, well, let me, let me tell you. He's got to die. How's that for a price or a get-in fee? He's got to die. He's got to die to yourself. You got to stop. You got to stop trying to be anybody. You got to stop worrying about being anybody at all. Who are you? 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 I really want to know. That's a dumb song, man. It's a dumb song. It just occurred to me how dumb that song is. Can I tell you how dumb it is? And I like that. I like that song, but it's dumb. <laughs> this ain't in the notes, but I, it's a dumb song. I'll tell you why. Because the band that wrote the song, Who Are You, is the Who. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. This is set you free. If you stop living for making a name for yourself and trying to live for yourself and trying to be anybody then you can be exactly who God wants you to be. You could be a child of God. You know, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. You now come to God just the way he wants you. Right? A silly heart. Foot loose and fancy free. Playing in the rain. Don't care if you step in a mud puddle. It don't matter because you ain't anybody anyway. But in Christ, ooh, you somebody. Right? You know what that will do to insecurity? It'll be gone. People come up and they'll say, you're wearing Argyle socks with your gym shoes. You're like, I don't care. It's the coolest. Everybody's doing it. Next thing you know, whole team's got socks of Argyle. Come on, right? You know why? Because people follow confidence. No matter how ridiculous it is. Can I preach? Can I preach? I want to tell you this world is, I mean, it is chock full of ridiculousness. All right? Well, this is what's cool. Five years later, it ain't cool anymore. And then 10 years later, it's back and it's cool again. Right. Now, I've lived 50 years, so I've seen what isn't cool and can be cool again and then cool again and then cool in the gang. And then everybody shows up cool again and now everybody thinks this is cool. And I'm like, we did that three times already, four times already. I don't care. Right? And we live in our lives like, like we got to be something and somebody. And, and you know, it's, it's, just, it's just like that game we play, Monopoly. It all goes back in the box. Maybe you won the game on the board, but at the end of the game, everything goes back in the box just like you. You go in a box and you're lowered in a grave. And everything that everybody thought you were is now gone. Now whatever is left is attached to the relationship you have and who he is. That's all that matters, man. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it till you don't like it anymore. It's all going to burn. 
baby. <laughs> just, uh, just one last scripture. Matthew 13, verse 12. Uh, I, Whoever has will be given more. Man, this scripture bothers me. It bothers me. Because sometimes I have to read it, I have to read it over and over again. Whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. No, no, I got to read it again. I got to read it again because you're really not digging it, man. When you get into this verse, it's like, what? Whoever has gets more. And we'll have an abundance. You know, I'm talking about abundance versus uh, scarcity or deficit. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, is going to be taken from them. You see, the only thing to really have is Christ. And if you've got Christ, you've got everything. But if you don't have Jesus... You got nothing, nothing, stupid, right? You got nothing. And we think, well, at least I got my life. Here's what Revelation says about this illusion called life. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write this, blessed are the dead. Now, I've heard of the Grateful Dead, and I've, 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 but how about, how about this? How about the hilariously happy dead? You say, I don't see that in that verse. Well, let me help you out here. It says, blessed are the dead. Greek word for blessed is markurios. It means to be hilariously happy. From God's point of view, his saints, when this body is done, God says you you're never going to have more joy. No, I got to get in there because, you know, there's a lady that she can go to work. She can go to work on my eyebrows and she can go like this and she can go like that and make my eyebrows look so good. And then they can shoot all this Botox into my head and make me look like I got a turtle head. Then I can go over here and they can liposuction this and, and deal with that. And, you know, and then I can fit into those skinny jeans again. Yeah, I'm 60, but so what? <laughs> Nobody wants to see it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to relive my childhood, my youth a little bit. I got this new car. It's real fast. I'm going to tear my shirt open down to like the last button. I'm going to wear some stupid big medallion. Everybody's going to see that. Oh, <laughs> I'm still a man. And everybody looks at that and they say, what an insecure person. And God says, the best it ever get for you when you're dead. <laughs> when this is gone. 